are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. So we are in part four, or the last message of our Bad Advice series, which kind of sets us up for the whole relationships series coming up that will kick off first Thursday. And we're in part four of Bad Advice, and each week we've been looking at how bad advice can really mess up our lives. And then we always go to God's word and look at the good advice that he's laid out for our lives. Here's why we're in this series. Here's why. Um, If we're all honest, we could look at our lives and we could say, I've made some pretty bad decisions based on bad advice, right? I made some pretty stupid decisions based on someone's bad advice. So for a portion of this message, please enlighten me, I will be extremely sarcastic in sharing with you some of the bad advice we often follow And then we'll get to the scriptures where we find the good advice that God wants us to follow. As we dive into today's message, I need a little help from you. Um, How many by show of hands would say that you are married? How many are married in here? How many with your hand up aren't sure if you're married yet? There's a few of you, your hands went down. Uh, how many in here are not married, but wouldn't mind being married one day? Like, come on, singles, all all the single ladies, all the single men, you wouldn't mind being married one day. If you're single, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. Look around now. You may find some, just come peep a little bit down your row. See if he's good looking. See if she, you know what I mean? You're single, ready to mingle. Come on, man. There's not a better place to find your mate than in church. I found my wife in church, got me a church girl. What's up? What's up? Holla. Anyway, uh, so we got some married folk in here. We got some people that one day want to be married. They desire to be married. If if you're married in here and, um, or you wouldn't mind to be married one day, how many of you have a goal? You don't need to raise your hand on this, but how many of you have a goal to one day commit adultery nobody nobody it just got real quiet up in this church house uh i want to give you some really good bad advice on how to commit adultery today that's where i want to go today and i know it's probably not a message that some of you want to hear and some of you are like man i'm coming to church to hear a message about adultery yep the bible has a lot to say about it and so Of course, no one plans for this to happen, but yet it happens every day. But yet it happens to people we're close to, people in our family, and even to good people. No one ever plans to commit adultery, but the reality is 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery. 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery. As Christ followers, we know what God's word says. He says in Exodus, hey, don't do it. Don't cheat. Don't beat. Don't eat. I'm just kidding about all that other stuff. But uh, he said, don't do it. 
Oh, don't do it. And, and we, most of us agree with this. Most of us never get married and say, man, one day, I can't wait to cheat on my wife. This is going to be awesome. I can wreck our marriage. I can wreck our family. I can screw everything up in my finances one day. No, no one plans it, but yet it happens every single day. We know it's not right, and so does 90% of non-church people. 90% of people in the world say adultery is wrong. 90% of people say it, but yet it's happening. Now, my intent is not to incite fear or anxiety or guilt if you've already heeded this bad advice, but as your pastor, I must be honest with you. This is a massive problem in the church. It's a massive problem in the church. And everyone I've talked to all says the same thing. I never planned on this. I never never imagined this would happen. But everyone I've talked to says, man, there were steps that led to this. There There were some small steps that I didn't think were a big deal. And then it led to another step, another step. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm fully engaged in this thing. And so here's kind of what tends to happen. These baby steps towards adultery, they seem so harmless and non-threatening to our marriages. And they kind of go like this, like you watch something that you know you shouldn't watch that has nudity in it. And then, you know, it's not a big deal because I'm married and it's not a big deal. And so I can see that. I can, I can check that out because I'm married, right? And so, so we, we watch TV shows and we watch stuff on the internet and then we listen to wrong music that talks about sexual things. And we may be married, but it gets our mind going in a whole different direction, okay? And so these are kind of the steps. We are, we're hanging out in the wrong places where we're seeing things and hearing things and conversing uh, around people who don't have the same values as us. So then our values just get lower and lower and lower. And the next thing you know, you know, we're, we're taking another step towards adultery. And here are the most, some of the most common things we say and the progression of them is kind of like this. You say, I'm not satisfied in my marriage. I'm not satisfied. Uh, you say, I deserve better. Here's kind of the steps towards this destruction. You say, my needs are not being met. Then you go on to say, I, I really enjoy him or her. I really enjoy their friendship more than even my spouse. You say things like, they're really attractive, and they understand me. They, un- they understand me. They get me. You say, one drink with them won't hurt after work. One drink won't hurt. You say things like, one touch, one kiss is harmless. We're just texting and talking. You say things like, I need him or her. I want him or her. The progression continues. You say, I don't care about my marriage or my kids. All I care about is this one person. This one individual. You say things like, I deserve to be happy too. And I'm unhappy in this marriage, but I'm happy with this person. And then you end it with saying, I I just can't stop. I just can't stop. I want to stop. I know it's wrong, but I, 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 I can't stop. So if you're here today, if you're here listening, uh, and you want to have a great marriage, and uh, one day you want to potentially risk it all, 
then let me give you some really, really, really good, bad advice. Is that okay today? I didn't expect to hear any amens or anything. It's okay. I'm confident in the God that put this word in me. Trust me. If you really want some just great, amazing, awesome, bad advice on how to wreck your marriage, then please listen up. Please listen up. Please take notes with that fuel pen that you stole from Next Steps. I'm just kidding. It was free. Three, three easy steps to commit adultery. Number one, neglect your marriage. Number one, for the person who's sitting out there saying this message isn't for me, it actually is for you. For the man, for the woman who say this isn't for me, I'm going to check it. It's actually for you, sir. It's actually for you, ma'am. For the young person, for the single person, the young adult who said, I don't need to pay. No, this is actually for you. We're going to help you today. My goal is to help you. Come on, my, ne- my goal is to always help you. I want you to grow in your walk with Christ, your relationship with Christ. Number one, neglect your marriage. Find something else to give your best to. Like your job, that'd be cool. Like do 80, 90 hours. Like just be consumed with that. Be married to that. Cheat on your spouse with them, your job. Find a hobby that you really love and that you can be gone at least five, six, seven nights out of the week. Never do family dinners. Just find a hobby, whether it's sports, whether it's working out, whether it's hanging with this group, whether it's joining the knitting club. Find a hobby and just get consumed with it and cheat on your spouse and your family with that. That really works well. Find a group of friends that are neglecting their marriages. Find a group of friends who have went through divorce, who have committed adultery. Hang around them because that really helps because that spirit will rub off on you. Find them. Find, um, uh, uh, find something on social media. Find someone on social media that you went to high school with and start, start to put them a priority in your life. But just, just whatever you do, neglect your marriage. Whatever you have to do, avoid intimacy. Don't communicate. Don't talk about tough things, tough issues, finances, kids. Don't, don't communicate with that. Just bottle it all up. Bottle it all up and put it way down here and never let it come out. Never, I'm just trying to give you some real, really good bad advice here. Allow things to build up internally. Tell yourself physical intimacy and sex. It's not important. It's not important. We don't, we, it's not important. Say you're too tired. Say you're too self-conscious. Say you're too mad. Say all those things. Just avoid intimacy at all costs. Never try to better yourself, but always criticize your spouse. Always put them down. Always point out their weaknesses because they have a lot more than what you have. So you think. Don't go on dates. My God, you've been married 15, 20 years. Don't do that. I mean, we dated before we got married. Don't go on, don't keep that dating thing going, even though you got two, three kids and maybe you're retired. Don't, don't go on dates. Don't invest. Don't get time away from your kids. Your kids, just be consumed with them more than your marriage. Neglect your marriage. Don't give verbal affirmation. Don't give that to your spouse. Don't tell them they look nice. Don't tell them they look beautiful. Don't tell them that you're still in love with them after 20 years later and 100 pounds more. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Everything's sagging and bagging. What's up? (laughs) It happens. Everything's going south, folks. Just turn 40. 
I'm feeling it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Someone's like 70, they're like, shut up. <laughs> don't, don't, don't give verbal affirmation. <laughs> just neglect your marriage. Definitely don't register for the relationship weekend. Like, that would be dumb. Like, you're going to spend $30 for you and your spouse to have a nice dinner, candlelight. You're going to hear from a professional guy who's got a doctrine and degrees on marriage and family, and he's going to invest in you for a few hours. Don't invest in that because you've got to watch your favorite show on Saturday that you always watch. You need to be in your favorite seat, eating your favorite snack, drinking your favorite drink. And you'll just come to church on Sunday and hear it. So don't invest in that. Don't register for that. Don't, don't take time to get a babysitter and line all that up because that's a lot of work. And you wouldn't want to do that. You wouldn't want to do that. It's going to sell out anyway, the pastor said, so we're not going to, we're not going to put it on the calendar. Don't do that. Neglect your marriage. Number two, if you want to wreck your marriage, do this. Enjoy common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else. Enjoy common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else. Probably somebody at your job. That'd be a great start. You know what I mean? They look attractive. You know, you're kind of like, wow, like, I'll connect with them. She understands me. My wife doesn't. He understands me. My husband doesn't. Kind of just rationalize that. He gets me. Create this emotional bond and soul tie with someone and definitely hide it from your spouse. Like, don't talk about them. Don't talk about them. And when you go home, hide that from your spouse Get so connected with that individual that your whole day revolves around them. Anticipate seeing them at work. Uh, Have your wardrobe designed around what their reaction is going to be when you walk in. This is really good, bad advice, by the way. This is really good, bad advice. If I were you, I would take notes. Uh, uh, Have everything in your mind centered around this individual's likes. Plan out moments to flirt. Text after work. DM them. If you, and if you really want to be spiritual in this emotional bond and in in, in taking these steps to commit adultery, if you really want to be spiritual, tell them, I'm praying for you. I believe in God for you. Tell them that. Because that, that that'll make it right in your mind. Right? So do all that. Enjoy common interests and form an emotional bond with someone else. Number three, if you really want to jack your marriage up, if you want to ruin everything, mess up your kids, mess up your finances, make excuses and rationalize your actions. Just make excuses. Well, if she was meeting my needs, I wouldn't have to do this. Well, he just doesn't get me and he won't make eye contact with me long enough for me to tell the story. Hmm? And them stories are long. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Love my wife. She can tell a story with the best of them. I just, I learned, Wes, just turn off ESPN. Shut up. Because if I'm not making eye contact, I'm done. I'm I'm in another world. She gets done and she goes, what do you think? I think it sounds great, babe. She said, you didn't even hear what I said. You don't even know what I said. And I'm like, oh, snap, I'm in trouble. (laughs) You know what happens? It's real. The struggle's real, y'all. Pray for us husbands. Just make excuses, rationalize it. You know, I don't have to put up with her attitude, his attitude. If I didn't have to put up with that, I wouldn't have done this. 
Tell yourself I'm not happy. And, you know, God obviously wants me happy, so he understands. Tell yourself that. Bring God into the picture. That's really cool. There's a lot of scriptures to back that up. <laughs> it's really awesome. Man, this is such good, bad advice. I, I thought I'd get a better reaction than this. I'm drowning up here, folks. <laughs> Tell yourself that what you're doing is right, no matter what others say, your family members, your mom, your dad, your aunt, your uncle, your closest friend, just tell them, no, I know what I'm doing is right, no matter what anybody else says, or even what God says. All right, I'm done being sarcastic with all this bad advice, okay? I am done. You can breathe. No one plans to mess up their marriage. No one, no, no one writes it out like a vision statement. One day, <laughs> I pray that I can commit adultery and screw up everything. No one plans it. No one plans to break hearts. No one plans to have your life in a financial ruin. No one plans for that little eight-year-old, that little 10-year-old to go through a divorce. No one plans that. But the reality is, church, it's happening. Not just in the world, but in the church. And if we don't address the elephant in the room... And God forbid, it's one of us next. It's one of us. So I want, to give you, I want to give you three thoughts to do whatever it takes to avoid adultery. Three thoughts to do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes. Number one, do whatever it takes to radically reduce risks. Do whatever it takes to radically reduce risks. You see, every sin in the Bible, every sin, you can look it up, every sin in the Bible, it tells us to fight that sin, resist that sin, anger and greed, resist that, fight that. This is the only sin, the sexual sin. Paul talks about sexual immorality, and you know what he says? Run! Run, Forrest, run. He says, flee from it. No, don't, don't entertain it. Run in the opposite direction of this. Don't flirt with it. Run. Don't try to fight it. Run. Proverbs 5.8 says this, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. This is speaking uh, from a father speaking to a, his own son about an adulterous woman. He says, don't go down her street. Don't justify it because before long you're at the door. Before long you're in the house. Before long you're in the bed. Don't justify it. Don't, don't rationalize. Reduce every risk. Don't even walk down a street that's even close to this. Don't do it. Don't do it. See, a lot of times what we do is we think that we're not crossing the line. And it's okay. We think that, you know, I'm okay to talk to her or him. It's harmless. One flirty comment won't hurt. And my wife will never know. My husband will never know. And what we do is we cross the line. Because my friend, the line starts in the mind. Starts right here. The mind. The mind and the heart are interchangeable in the word of God in scripture. It starts in the heart. It starts in the mind. So you've already crossed the line. You want scripture to back that? Thank you. I'll give it to you. Matthew five twenty eight. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery within his own heart. The line starts in the mind. So it doesn't start in the bed. It doesn't start with a text, a DM. It doesn't start there, a Facebook thing. It starts in the mind. 
He says, anyone who looks, who is thinking these thoughts has already committed adultery in his heart. And can I tell you, this represents everyone in this room. We've all committed adultery in our hearts. (laughs) I know not you, sir, not you, ma'am, but truth be told, we've all had some crazy thoughts. Truth be told, we've all let some things get in our heart that we shouldn't have let in. We didn't guard our heart. So the Bible always talks about the heart. Guard your heart for out of it flows the issues of life. Guard this, guard this. Every morning I wake up and I quote scriptures about my heart because I got to guard my heart. Whatever I let into my heart, I let into my life. Whatever I let into my life, I let into my friends and my family's lives. I got to guard my heart. From offense, from anger, from lust, I gotta guard my heart. I'm required to guard my heart. You're required to guard your heart. Do you have a boundary or a fence around your heart, or is anyone and everyone touching your heart? This is good preaching today. I think I'll preach it twice today. It's that good. And here coming up, I'm gonna preach it three times. We're about to launch a third service. I will do it. Guard it, guard it. It's all about what's in the heart. Married people, let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. If, 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 if your spouse, it, let's say that there was a video that followed you around, a camera that followed you around all through the day, and your spouse had direct access to watch it live, would what they see help them or hurt them? Would it bless their life or would it hurt them? Imagine you're at work, you're at the job, you're at the gym, you're going out with your friends, you've got a video, and your spouse has a live feed, live feed to your life, your conversation, what you do. Would that bless their life or would it hurt their life? Single people, you're not off the hook. Single people, listen to me. If your future spouse would see your video of your life, would it bless them or hurt them? Your future spouse that you're praying for. Well, I hope you're praying for them. Your future spouse that you're believing God to bring into your life. I hear a lot of single ladies pray all the time. I'm just praying for a man. I'm just praying. What kind of man? Because there's a lot of mans that don't work. There's a lot of mans that ain't got a job, ain't got a car. They're 30 years old living in their mama's basement playing Xbox. You better be specific about that man. I got a man. What your man got to do with me? Anyway, my singing career, it's coming, brother. It's coming. Don't, don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me. You don't know my journey. Single people, I'm praying for a man. And then some people, I'm praying for a man that loves God, has a good job, has a car, has integrity and character, and who's not lazy. Let, 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 me, let me submit this to all the single people, single ladies, single men. Uh, instead of praying for all these qualities you want, why don't you start becoming the person you're praying for? Oh, that was good. If you have Twitter, go ahead and tweet me on that. I don't have it, but it'd be good. It'd be good. It'd be good to say the white boy's preaching today. I'll write that down. I'm going to write that down. Why don't you start becoming the person you're praying for and the person someone else is praying for? Why don't you start becoming that man of God, woman of God, person of integrity, person who's pursuing a career and a job? Why don't you buy a house first? Instead of wait, I'm waiting for a man that's got a house. Why don't you go ahead and buy that house? And say, I'm going to become the person that I'm praying for. Huh? 
This is good preaching today. Go ahead, preach. (laughs) This is good. I'm feeling good. I woke up feeling good. See, a few things to help us radically reduce these risks. Number one is you need to keep a growing relationship with Christ, with your spouse. It means you need to pray together. You need to talk about spiritual things together. You need to talk about what it means for your family, for your marriage to go to church, to be faithful to church. Why? Because the enemy is going to try to talk you out of coming here every single Sunday morning. He's going to try to talk. You're going to have every excuse under the book. If you're in agreement that as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We, we go into God's house. If you're in agreement that we, we, we becoming a part of this thing called the tithe, and no matter what, we're going to tithe. We're going to tithe faithfully every paycheck. You better get in agreement spiritually with your spouse because if not, it's going to cause some problems. Reduce the risk, church. Reduce it. Come on. Here's another way to reduce the risk. Never be alone with the wrong people or the opposite sex. Never be alone. Never be alone. I have people, I talk with people, counsel people. It don't matter if you're the opposite sex or same sex. I ain't going to talk with you alone. Someone said, why is this guy always following you around through the hallways? Accountability. Accountability. No, I don't need some guy following me around because I think I'm this or that. It's for accountability. There's been some crazy stuff that's been said to me in church. There's been some crazy Delilahs that whisper in my ear. I'm not saying you're here. You could be here. But whatever you say, he's going to hear. He's going to hold me accountable and hold you accountable to whatever you say. So I don't need a bodyguard around me. Someone said, came in, why, why is this bodyguard around you? Why is this bodyguard around? You think you're some rock star? No, no, I don't think I'm anything. I'm protecting my character and integrity. I'm not allowing the enemy. I'm reducing the risk. That's what I'm doing. So I don't, I don't counsel ladies alone. I don't counsel men alone, for that matter. Just saying. I'm getting hot in this thing, man. Trying to look all pastoral for you. Wear my jacket once in a while. Isaac like, got holes in his jeans. <laughs> As I'm holy. <laughs> Reduce the risk. Never talk about your spouse on Facebook in a negative way. Can I just stay right here for a minute? Some of you are 50 years old and you're so immature that you're bashing your spouse on social media. Whether you're with them now or not, don't bash them on social media. Shut up. Did he just tell me to show? Yeah, I did. That was cool. Because you're immature. Why are you going to, man, why are you going to talk about your marriage or your girlfriend or whoever, your kids in a negative way on social media? Come on, church. We're bigger than that. Let's grow up. Let's put edifying things on there. Let's put encouraging things up there about our spouse, about our marriage, about our kids. Let's encourage others. Come on. You want to reduce the risk? Surround yourself with strong marriages. See, see, some of your marriages are so broke down because you're not around people who got good marriages. You're, just, you're around people who got lousy marriages. They don't treat their wife with respect. The Bible says, Jesus said, show your wife love like I love the church. That's what it says in Ephesians. Paul says, Ephesians 6, show her love like I love my bride called the church. Treat her with respect. Treat him with honor. The lady wants respect, the man wants honor. The lady wants respect, the man wants honor. The lady wants respect, the man wants honor. 
The lady wants you to touch her and tell her she's beautiful and talk to her words. The guy wants to get naked. I'm just, I told you there's no filter on this series. You better buckle up. That's our love language. It, you better get the book, The Five Love Languages. If you haven't read it and gone through it with your spouse, you need to do that. Hello. Are you reading books together on marriage? No. That's why you're broke down. Know your, know your spouse's love language. My, I know my wife. She knows mine. Okay? She wants words of affirmation. She needs that. She likes gifts. She's not going to tell me she likes that, but she likes gifts. Right? I like gifts too. <laughs> Different kinds of gifts that she provides on herself. Remember that. Oh, Jesus, I'm out of time. I got two hours of content and not enough time. Do whatever it takes. Do whatever it takes to invest passionately in your marriage. Point number two, we got we to gotta do a speed, on, speed race on the rest of this. Do whatever it takes to impassionately invest in your marriage. If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own grass. It's time to water it. It's time to invest. It's time to say my marriage matters. You know that your marriage matters to God and your marriage matters to Satan. They're, they both want your marriage. So the devil's coming after your marriage. He's coming after your spouse coming after them. Guard your alone time. Get spiritual together and get naked together. Now listen to this. Listen to this. As I'm studying for this message, I thought the number one cause of divorce was still money, but it's not. You know what it is? You know what it is? The number one cause of divorce is adultery because of a lack of intimacy, sexual intimacy. That's the number one cause. It took number one. Number two is money problems and money issues. But the number one cause of divorce in the world and in the church is someone says, my sexual needs were not met, so I went out and got them met somewhere else. It's the number one cause. It's the number one cause. Do whatever it takes to number one, reduce the risk. Number two, to invest passionately in your marriage. And number three, to visualize potential destruction. I'm going to close on this right here. To visualize potential destruction. Think about it. Think about it. Imagine sitting down with your kids and telling them, Daddy can't live here anymore. Imagine what it will do to your finances. Imagine. Think about that conversation you got to have with your family members. Think about that. I want you to visualize the potential destruction that's going to cause within your family, within your life. Visualize that. Imagine, imagine what could happen. Imagine the pain, the hurt, the heartache. Because you said, I'm going to live in the moment. And I'm not going to tell my flesh no. And my flesh is going to get whatever it wants. My flesh is going to get, I'm going to gratify my flesh more than I gratify my spirit. Some of you need to say, I'm not going to sacrifice what I want most for what looks good in the moment. I'm not going to sacrifice for what I want most for what looks good in the moment. There'll always be a better model. 
There'll always be a better something that comes your way. Always. The devil always brings someone down your path to try to get you distracted. Why? Because a legacy is on the line here. It's not just about you and your spouse. It's about your kids' kids and their kids and their kids. A legacy is on the line here. God always worked in legacy. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of generations. I'm a generational God. If I can mess up this generation, I'll take out the rest. Why did Pharaoh say, I'm coming after the babies? And if, I, if the blood is not applied to the doorpost in Exodus, I'm killing off the next generation. I'm killing off the babies. If I can get them, I get future generations. The devil's after your marriage because he's after future generations. The stats say this, 3%, 3% of people that commit adultery will actually marry the forbidden lover. The stats say this, 75% of marriages that have adultery in them will end in divorce. The stats say this, 0.075 are the odds of a marriage lasting through adultery. 0.075 are the odds of a marriage lasting from adultery. Stand with me. I'm fully aware that in here and listening, there are people who've been betrayed, there are people who've been hurt, and some that can relate more than others. Some have some really deep, deep wounds that haven't been healed yet. There are also others in here that have caused the hurt and the pain and caused your marriage to end. Some have repented and made it as right as they can. If you've repented, I want you to know there's no judgment if you've repented. There's no judgment here. The grace of God has covered you and you are free. Others maybe haven't made it right and this message has hit home for you. I want you to hear this today. I want you to hear this today. Listen to me. Most of that was some really bad news. But here's some really good news that I want to leave you with. Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. I'm not rationalizing anything. Hear me. Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are unfaithful, God will remain faithful. And here's the reality today. Every single one of us have been unfaithful to God in some way at some time. Every one of us. Maybe you didn't commit adultery with someone else, but you committed adultery in your heart. You put money above God. You put your job above God. You put relationships and friendships above God. You put your health above God. You put... All these things above God. That's why he wants to be number one in your life. He says, I don't want you to have no other gods before me. That's why he created the principle of the tithe. He knew money would grab us. And money would consume us. And money would be our God. And money would grip us. And we would live just to make money. And he said, no, life is more than just making money. Some of you didn't have nothing growing up. And so that's all you want to do is make money. And you're unsatisfied in your relationships and in your marriage. And you're not fulfilled. 
Because your God is money and you've cheated on God with money. You've cheated. I know this is a strong word. But do you want to stay the same or do you want 2018 to be different? Because I'm not staying the same. This church ain't staying. We ain't got time to patty cake, give you a nice little message every week. Oh, our pastor's so cool. He's so nice. He don't say anything that offends. No, it should offend you because the word of God is called a stumbling block. It's called the sword of the spirit, which goes in and it cuts. The two-edged sword of the spirit cuts things out of our life. And we all need things cut out of our life. Say no country club church. I'm here to speak the word of God. Whether we like it, whether sometimes I don't like this word. Most of the times I don't. Hmm? Even when we are unfaithful, God is faithful. Every single one of us have been unfaithful to God in some way at some time. None of us are perfect. But the good news is God is faithful. He can heal. He can forgive. He can restore. He can give you a fresh start. I don't care how many times you've cheated. I don't care how many times you've missed it. God can restore. God can renew. God can heal. He's a healer. I know a healer. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, And the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things the lives and families of the people that come here, but find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, God bless you. Have a great week.